Live inside Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. Stays in to help blocking down the middle, deep for Ruggs. Ruggs has got it. 10-5. Yeah, baby. Jackpot. Vegas touchdown. Carr takes a snap. Fires over deep left side. Caught. End zone. Jackpot, baby. Touchdown, Vegas. Kenyon Drake. And Carr will go back into the gun on second and goal. Jacobs cuts middle, walks in. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs, touchdown for the Las Vegas Raiders. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Willie is here as well with Ramirez Twin Peaks on a Monday. we got Monday Night Football coming up. We'll get into the game, get into some gambling angles on the game. Also talk about our betting over the weekend, how we did. Uh, apparently the sports books got crushed. When I hear that, I want to come out of the weekend a big winner when the sports books get crushed, but that doesn't always happen. Lots to get to, including what was, uh, in my mind, a surprising Raiders victory. They came up big after a hellish week after the uh, Gruden mess developed over the weekend and into early in the week when uh, Gruden was dismissed or dismissed himself. Big five time. Battled Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Four, number five. Well, we've got a gigantic week on the way with the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. Uh, yet, right now, Willie, they are the walking wounded, and we're not talking about guys who are on the fourth line. We're talking about some of the superstars of this team. This is not a great start to the season, man. They're really going to have to pull it together. Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty, that's all you need to know. I mean, they're, they're, they're banged up all around. Carrier, uh, Carrier actually skated, uh, but for the most part, this is a team that is hoping to get names back, and while they're hoping to get key names back for the bottom six, they go around and they, they end up losing Mark Stone, who it was a weird, weird look uh, against the Kings. Uh, it looked like his foot got caught in the ice. I couldn't tell, but it tweaked the opposite way. Um, and he's listed as day-to-day. And now you got Pacioretty, who has a fracture in his foot when he bro- uh, blocked the puck. So report out of practice today from my uh, AP colleague and NHL.com reporter Danny Webster. Nick Waugh, William Carey, Howden, they returned to practice. Waugh was a non-contact participant. Howden skated in place of stone on the top line. Uh, top line. Dadnoff, where Pacioretty was, skated. Um, VGK only had 10 skaters, but call-ups are expected tomorrow. So Peyton Krebs, who's been back and forth with the Henderson Silver Knights, he's likely to be one of them after playing uh, over the weekend at the Orleans Arena. Wah, his movement looked good. Danny said participated in every drill, showed no signs of a guy who won't play Wednesday. They definitely need him. Uh, They need bodies at this point. Howden um, had a game up in Salt Lake City, uh, played through it but held out due to a precaution. Carrier skated on the third line at practice with Patrick and Kolasar, which is interesting. Would expect that line to be on the look, um, to be what it looks like on Wednesday against the Blues if Mark Stone can't go. Stone saw a doctor today, and they're hoping to have more info tomorrow. And, I mean, for the most part, that's 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 the crux of it um, from, from the practice today. I think the big news, because you kind of know Pacioretty is going to be down for the count for a little bit, is Mark Stone. You know, because not only do you lose 
that that offense on the ice and and I mean that line in that home opener against Seattle and it was the expansion cracking but that line of Chandler Stevenson Max Pacioretty Mark Stone had eight points in the first game um but you not only lose the offense but you lose your leader your captain the presence can you make up for that through depth I heard a uh, go to nighty today on uh, nighttime at noon over on Fox Sports Las Vegas which is a great listen and uh, Gotra was referring to Pete DeBoer at one point uh, during the preseason saying that they, they feel like they have really good depth. Like they're talking about, you know, feeling comfy with like 15 forwards and, you know, eight or nine, you know, guys on defense, you know, good enough to play at this level. Can they get through this? Do they have, do they have that much depth? They don't, they have the depth. They don't have, I just don't think that they have the depth that matches the talent that it's missing. When you make that comment, you're talking about, because the question mark coming in was the bottom six. You got the misfit line, which is the original stars. Jonathan Marchesaw, William Carlson, Riley Smith, right? That's obviously going to move up and be your top line for, for, for a minute here. Um, you don't expect to miss Stone and Patrice. So when you're talking about depth, you're talking about your to, 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 to mix and match until Alex Tuck gets back in a few months on your bottom six lines, your, you know, your, your third and fourth lines, your bottom six forwards. When he said that and when Dave and Shane are talking about it, I'm pretty sure that they don't mean depth to replace those types of guys. It's going to be difficult. Can they do it? Yeah, they're just going to have to use their defensive ability, the veterans that they have on defense, and grind it out, play a different style of game, make it difficult for teams to get through the neutral zone, clog things up, and force turnovers to get odd man rushes. Because you're not going to generate the fast-paced offense that you do when you have the guys like Stone, Pacioretty, Stevenson, Carlson, Marchesaw, and Smith up front in your, in your top six. By the way, they got a week coming up. This is a tough week with a lot of games scrunched in after this long break. Yeah, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. Uh, well, they got the Blues on Wednesday. I'm trying to think. Who do they got on Friday? Because I know they got the Blues on on, on uh they got the Blues on Wednesday. They got the Oilers. Connor McDavid's coming to town on Friday. Yep. Yep. Friday night. And then Sunday, New York Islanders. Islanders. Yep. In a doubleheader. Doubleheader on the strip. All good teams with high expectations and a lot of success the last couple of years. Another big weekend, sports weekend in Las Vegas. So, Number four. So second half of the game yesterday uh, in the division, the Chiefs started to right the ship. That first half was not very good no. against the football team, and then they looked like the uh, you know typical Chiefs offensive explosion, pretty good on defense. You know, Patrick Mahomes is going to have an interesting year this year because the league is gunning for him. They're making adjustments. Uh, he's he's awesome, right? I mean, he really is. He is great. But I got to tell you, the last thing you need as one of the stars of the league where the entire league is game planning against you and gunning for you is to come home after games and have to look one side, your brother's pulling off nonsense, and then your fiance, she's been a freaking nightmare. Brittany Matthews, his brother, Jackson, like every week there's something off the field. Did you see the latest with his brother? I did. You know, um, Jackson Mahomes. Who, by the who, way, the only reason I know about him, I am the oldest person who's on TikTok, yes, right? Yes, you are. Uh, he's on TikTok all the time, dancing, cussing up a storm, having a good time. And I, like As I, I was watching it over the summer, he'd be on there, and I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, your brother's one of the biggest stars in all of sports. Dial it down a little bit. Cut the crap with the social media. Trying to steal the spotlight a little bit. Right? Or, like, like glom onto the spotlight. And then his fiance is just, she's she's 26 going on 15. 
She often acts like a horse's ass. So uh, she's complained in the past uh, against fans going at her. Last week she had a whole thing where she was ripping on the officials and saying, you know, oh, they're always against us. And someone sent her a message, a Chiefs fan, like, please stop. This is not about you or him. It's about us. It's about Chiefs Nation. Cut it out. Basically, you're embarrassing yourself. And she fired right back, like, shut up. Like, for the, when that dude goes home, I mean, I would have to imagine he's like, please, please, we've gone over this. Yeah. This isn't helping me. And to his brother, like, your fiance, you might speak to her one way. If that was my brother, oh, boy, the conversation we would have. And I'm not on TikTok. And yesterday so he got in trouble for he's dancing. He's doing some kind of little dance on the sidelines in Washington. And he's dancing on the freaking 21 logo the day that they're retiring the number of Sean Taylor. Then he apologizes. He's like, oh, I didn't realize it. Did you watch the video? I'm, I have it up. Okay. Do but, you see anything in the video that's that's telling? Because here's what he said. Actually, I just He goes, have... I didn't realize it. He goes, they directed us to stand in that area. If you look at the video, it's it's a it's a drawing. You know, the yeah. number's painted on the sideline. There's white chains right. around it. Right. So no he... one told you to go in there. Any moron would realize that it's chained off. Yes. For a reason. And he goes in there, he's dancing. Like, what are you doing? So, so and many people that are coming to his defense are saying, like, there's one tweet I'm looking at. It says, Jackson Mahomes danced on the Sean Taylor 21 sideline tribute for TikTok. Bigger question probably needs to be why anyone was allowed to stand it on, a, on it to begin with. They weren't. Not good enough. They were, so, there's no way they were allowed. It's, it's, and that's why there's a chain, white chain. Yes. Chained people, off. don't, don't, go don't in walk there. on this. Right. So while he's saying, well, I didn't know that's where they directed okay, us. No, right. they directed you in that vicinity, but they didn't tell you to go yeah. in that. And I can tell you this. I can tell you this much. Maybe it's not his fault, but common sense would tell you. I can tell you this much. Does he have common sense? Our good friend Mark Wallington steals me away from AP for one event. Now it's two events a year. Okay, the Las Vegas Bowl and the Vegas Kickoff Classic as the quote-unquote sideline marshal. They have people that are there that are supposed to actually keep people away from those barriers that have advertisement and things like that. So, yes, well, nobody told them. It's pretty much common sense on the day that they're retiring and as much hubba baloo whatever the phrase that, that was made last week <laughs> about about He's getting all worked up. You can't th- say hullabaloo. <laughs> about three day, about announcing the retirement of Sean Taylor three days before and doing it on short notice. It's been made such a big deal of. You don't see that fenced-off area? Oh, let's just go in here. You're telling me he didn't set up that TikTok on purpose? I'm calling you out, Jackson Mahomes. You're a liar. You knew what you were doing. Number three. Any update on what John Gruden's been doing the last week or so? You told some stories in the uh, first hour. I know over the weekend he had a quick text conversation with uh, Vinny from over on Raider Nation Radio mm-hmm. 920. I also know uh, that he was, he was at church on Sunday. Was he? Because um, I think he goes to Randall's church, Randall oh, Cunningham's oh, okay, church, yeah. so he was yeah. there. So must be uh, – that's a hell of a fall from grace. There's a, there, you got a lot of thinking to do. And I know Gruden mentioned to Vinny that hey, he, you know, he's hoping this is going to make him a better person. Well, that must have been tough watching the game. It must have been tough watching the game. It must have been tough going to church. It must have been tough going in person. And it must be tough to swallow this whole thing and say, I'm going to get better from this. Because here's the thing. What do you, let me ask you this, John. What are you going to get better from? Something that you've never gotten better from until you got caught? Or the actual what you need to get better from because you should have been gotten better from it 
and you should have, you know, this should have never. So would you be would you be saying you're going to get better from it if you didn't get caught and it, it was thrown out in the public? You know what I mean? So, um, and some people say, well, past mistakes, he didn't do it since 2018. Well, no, but he was also in the league. He was back in the league also. He's not going to, and he did it from his personal email. So, point is, is I, I don't know what he was doing. It definitely was definitely had to be. De- do you think? I'm sure he watched the game. Oh, he had to. I, I mean, think he was just it. shutting off football completely and shutting no, off the no, Raiders sure. completely. He, he had to watch it. He had to watch it. They had a small, small snippet for about twelve seconds with Deuce Gruden on on the air. You know, they said this. That was interesting. Deuce's son. Yeah, you yeah. saw it, right? Yeah. yeah, I saw that. Saw them talking about Deuce Gruden. And I uh, know, and I've met Deuce. Uh, him and Jordan have done some powerlifting, not together, but in the same. And nice kid. And you're fine with him being around, right? Absolutely. Like I, would, I would hope there aren't people watching who are like, you know, his no. dad's gone. He should Absolutely. be gone. First like, question I asked Will Kiss, the PR manager, there that day, I said, is Deuce out here? Is he okay? And he goes, yeah, no, he's out here. He's coach. I said, okay, good, because he should be. Let's call the immediate future the next two years. Okay. Is John Gruden around any football in an official capacity? No. No. Why not? It, this, this is going to take a lot to get over. I mean, what? who's going to hire him? Who's going to bring him around and why? Because you, you've come out and said that you don't think that women should be involved, you don't think that gays should be involved, and you've degraded black men and said that you're against people taking a stand for societal rights. So what are you bringing, What official capacity are you bringing them in for? Barstool Sports, Clay Travis's outkick the coverage? That's media. I, I, I'm thinking you're saying... I don't like know, a, any kind of football capacity. Oh, any kind of... Yeah. He, it, it could be for... I, I I would and would, I would he do, would he do it sooner he than would later? Not, no, I could I I don't rule out that someone would want to get him on like or, or like a podcast that would be equivalent to like a spit and chicklets in in uh, in, in hockey. Would but he it's, do it? It's, that's it's, the thing. That's would he, would he want to do it? I don't think that he would because I don't think that he wants to dig the hole deeper. I think he wants to heal from this, and I think what I think he needs other people to heal from it before he does. Number two. Now on to Mark Davis, mm. who also had a brief conversation after the game. Was happy about the victory. What else did we hear? This, he, he, he made his statement, right? He made his comment. Listen, the Raiders stand for diversity, inclusion, and social justice. We always have and we always will. The emails that came out are, no, are not what we stand for. So John Gruden is no longer head coach of the Raiders. That's great, Mark. Why didn't you say that on Wednesday, right before Rich Passaccia or Mike Mayock came out, or in between? Why, why, why did you have to get cornered by Ed Graney because you were standing outside the locker room happy that your team won, and you could have said no comment, I get it, but knowing Ed, they had a little chat, he said, hey, you know, bubble, whatever, and Ed banged out a quick, whatever it was, 300-word piece, quoting him. There's not much more I can say. All the talking heads are making up all sorts of stuff. There's another shot. There's another shot to the NFL, like he did with with uh, Gutierrez, right? When he said, "Ask the NFL." The talking heads are making up all sorts of stuff. That's all it is. We don't stand for it, obviously. But okay, we wouldn't have heard that if if he wasn't right. questioned. If he wasn't, well, frankly, by league standards, with many owners, isn't that enough? What 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 press conference has Dan Snyder held? To talk about the investigation and allegations of abuse to female employees and minorities. What big press conference has Clark Hunt held to talk about Andy Reid's son, Britt Reid, and the poor girl who got caught in this accident who has brain damage? Here's the thing. It, the, the league has a history of, hey, all we do is oversee the whole thing. 
These are franchise owners. Basically, we let them do what they want. Well, perhaps they should have. And I'm not defending Mark Davis here. No. I'm just saying. I know. I get this it. Is, this I get path it. has already been set yeah. with other owners. The standard is low. Yeah. And, 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 and if that's the way, fine. But let's and, – and, and, and God forbid that I disrespect anybody with what Andy Reid's son did – that was a personal, you know. That was that was not a mark on the league or the team. It Willie, just, he was an employee of the he's team. He's an employee of he the was team. A co- Brett Reed let me was finish. A coach on let the me team. finish. Let me finish. On the staff, it's a it's a mark on an employee of the team that that type of character will go out there and do that, and so that 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 speaks to him, and and they have to act. But I'm talking about you're talking about a very polarizing figure that. Of the entire league, a Super Bowl champion coach, someone who came across in our living rooms for how many years on ESPN, and now the, the, one of the number one brands of all sports in degrading the league and the commissioner and women and ethnicities and sexual preference. There's a there's a there's a lot there. And Mark Davis paid this guy a hundred million dollars. They brought this team to France to, to Las Vegas. There's there. I mean, I'm not saying one outweighs the other, but what I'm I guess. Maybe I am saying that. But the bottom line is, is with how everything went down, and it was an emotional week for Mark Davis. I get it. But, you know, does he finally, does he still owe us? A, a, he doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't have to do anything because, like you said, the standard's been set where nobody has to say anything, and they came out. Mike Mayock did the talking and whatever. And he said what he said uh, to the Review Journal. But yeah. Well, I would hope that he's, he's spoken to many of the players if they've requested it. That oh, he's spoken to players one on one, including Carl Nassib, and there's no doubt, know, uh, no doubt, a roster that's filled with yes. African Americans. No doubt in and, my and mind. And I would also, I would, I would, if I were a female in the organization, I'd also be like, hey, Mark, what's going on here? Everyone, yeah. every one of well, them. From, we didn't from, know we were working with a guy like John Gruden. From the young lady who hits the button to let me in every Wednesday or Thursday to go test, from the young lady in the PR department, from from the video, whatever, from the. the the dang interns that work for the PR people who half are, half are young men, half are young women, and they're journalism, inspiring journalism students. Uh, bottom line is I think his door is definitely open to everybody, and I don't deny that one bit from that first day when he was in there and I told you that I saw him walk across the lobby and so on. There's no doubt in my mind that his door is wide open for anybody that wants to come talk, yell, scream, cry, whatever. I'm just saying that everything he said there, the way he said it, he still took another shot at the NFL. So, number one on the way back. Let's uh, break down the win yesterday, dominating victory. Even though it was only thirty-four twenty-four, they they really beat up the Broncos. They came out quick and uh, put on a rest, you know, midway through the third quarter. But I want to talk about character. We were just talking about Mark Davis and John Gruden. I want to talk about character and the way they bounced back and the leaders on this team and who responded and who led because, uh, yeah, Ritz Basaccia did a good job. The coaches did a good job. But to me, that victory yesterday mm. is mostly about the players. That was a player-led victory. It's the Big Five at Four. Brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 570-9000. More now than ever, you know, we had to step up and be a voice, you know. And it's fair to think that way, obviously, with everything that's going on. Again, there will be a time for the emotions of all of that, uh, but now is not the time. If anything, what this did is brought us really, for sure, brought us closer. Proud of where we're at and glad for our organization to get a win. You know, we needed a win bad. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. 
Yeah, so many superlatives here. Uh, Derek Carr talking there as the uh, Raiders win it. Carr threw for 341, two touchdowns. That was after a ridiculously hellish week. John Gruden booted from the league by the league. Carr had to step up during the week and speak. Max Crosby spoke during the week. Speaking of Crosby, he had a season-high three sacks. He's now, is it the number one rated PFF defensive end? Or is it defensive lineman in general? Edge rusher. Edge rusher. Yeah. So he had three he's been sacks. Mad. He's, he's, had, he's, had, he's, had, he's had the highest grade every, after every week all year. That's crazy. So, yeah. Uh, defense forced four turnovers. Uh, on offense, 8.2 yards per play. So that was great. Uh, also, this is hard to believe. On a John Gruden team, as you know, offensive-minded as he is and as organized as he is, that they hadn't scored on their possession, their first possession in a game the previous 10 games, and they did it on Sunday. Was it 10 or 11? Uh, it was one of those two, yeah. but, yeah, no, that's insane. That it, so that was a huge accomplishment. And you look at the, the depth of this receive, which has been the talk, right, this receiving depth. We talked about that all through training camp and preseason. And, and, they, and he somewhat utilized it. It was just how he did it, how uh, – Greg Olson and Rich Basaccia did it. Um, nobody was targeted more than five times. Um, led by Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. Ruggs and Edwards come up with the big catches, right? By the way, who? Kenyon Drake, is that his name? Kenyon Drake. How much, how much money did <laughs> they spend right. on him? To, how much money did right. they spend on him to bring him in to catch balls out of the backfield? Look at how good he was. What was it $11.5 million, potentially? That's the whole deal. Four rushes, 34 yards, longest one 18, one touchdown. Targeted twice, caught them both, longest 31, a touchdown. touchdown. Yep. So, I mean, not a lot of yards, but a lot of efficiency, right? And we're seeing a lot of people get involved yesterday. Foster Moreau, Josh Jacobs, Jalen Richard, Willie Sneed, Alec Ingold. Was tar- uh, Sneed and Ingold targeted one time each. They Neither one of them got a reception, but... You're at you're throwing different targets at these defenses, and it's th- it's, it's throwing them off. You know what I mean? They don't know who the hell is going to get the ball. Who's who's who do we guard? Who's who do we double team? You've got Waller out there, and they're automatically going to double team him, and it opens somebody else up. Who would you point to as the guys who led not only on the field but off the field? Well. Here's the thing, you're not going to get you're not gonna see this, hear this, or anything, but I definitely believe that guys like KJ Wright, Denzel Perryman, you know, Yannick Ngakwe, the, the the veterans who obviously have ties with Gus Bradley, but who were brought in initially already to be a leader to these men, these young men. I think that in the locker room, that first day they, they, there had to be other guys. The, the captains got up and spoke. We were told that, right? So all your captains get up and speak. Um, you know, from the offensive side of the ball, I definitely think Derek Carr. I definitely think Darren Waller had some things to say. Um, you know, and I just believe that your veterans, whether they showed it on the field, some of the guys that may not have the big numbers, the stats, they were still your big voices. You know, let's build on this on the way back. It, it's funny. You know, it's easy, and we're going. We're getting a little gaga. They beat the Broncos, right? They got to. They got to be consistent and put up a winning season here. And then, you know, then you start looking. You're like, okay, you know, this is this is a pretty good team. I, I believe they're a good team. I thought they were a good team coming in. I picked them to go ten and seven when the schedule came out. I'm the only one in the market, I think, who would like really, you know, pick them to do well. I don't work for the Raiders. 
right? So I don't get a check. I'm not in a Raiders. In our market? I'm not, and, and, yeah, yeah. Like in this market, I don't know. I, I saw everyone else talking about the schedule, and they're like, eh, they're in trouble. I'm like, they're in trouble based on what? They were basically a 500 team the last couple of years with three or four games that they imploded in. They've got a better roster. The schedule is not impossible. Right. I thought they were going to have a good season. Um, but I want to build on this because last week when the chips were down, yeah. we saw stories like Gruden's roster that he leaves behind is a disaster. Really? Is it a disaster? Willie just talked about all the leadership on this roster. Let's talk about the roster and what Gruden has left behind. And really, no one's comfortable right now going, hey, good job, John. But did he really do a terrible job? We'll hit this on the way back. Did he really do a terrible job in building this roster? Domestic drafts under 4 bucks and appetizers for $2, $4, and $6, all at Twin Peaks. I just try to make the most of my opportunities, you know what I mean? Whenever my number's called, whether it's in the return game, pass game, running game, I mean, what am I here for? You know what I mean? I came here to make plays, so that's what I hope to continue to do as the season goes on. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. Willie's here. Willie Ramirez from the AP. He's part of the company. It's Cofield. Here is Twin Peaks. Monday Night Football up in less than one hour. Angels helping out with the setup on the set here, controlling the crowds. Ruggs on the way back. He had a big day. Want to see a lot more Henry Ruggs. He clearly can beat defensive backs deep. Uh, last year he was used more as a threat. This year the production is getting better and better. Now, I was just saying, kind of pushing back on some of the stuff last week when it was really easy to pile on John Gruden as he was you know, he's out. Oh, look at the roster he's built. He's left him in shambles. Yeah. All right. It would be nice if every one of their first-round picks has had panned out, right? Sure. It looks like they missed on some guys. Ruggs, jury still out on. Abrams, jury still out on. Jacobs has been productive. Furl, man, I'd like to see him get more chances. Arnett. Arnett, that one, that might be the worst of all because he can't stay healthy. And when he has been healthy, he got beat out by Casey Hayward. Now, here's the thing, and this would be the feather in the cap of Gruden and Bradley and Mayock. How is Casey Hayward available? He is the number one rated cornerback this not this week through six weeks in the entire nfl how is he available kj wright was added to this roster perriman was added to the roster jefferson was added to the roster uh solomon thomas had a you know a nice tackle yesterday to force a fumble they've done well in the middle of the draft right so i'm not giving the guy you know it's not an a plus on the roster he built but it was far from some of the crap last week that we saw where it's just a total disaster. Complete rebuild is needed now that Gruden's gone. Like, stop. Yeah, and I just brought those guys up as far as the locker room's concerned, but Perryman and, and Wright, two disciples of Gus Bradley, they are the top two linebackers on the team. Okay. Ranked 16th and 17th on pro football focus. By the way, I like the numbers. I like the analytics. For that dork crowd, how do you measure Max Crosby off the field? Paraman off the field, KJ right off the field, yeah. Hayward off the field. Yeah. Where's the? I don't know. Can I punch it up? Yeah. They're, they're, How do you measure that one? You don't measure anything. You can't measure anything, and you can't teach, and you can't coach how you are in the locker room. You only do follow, lead, and 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 take that example. Because I can tell you, all football teams go through stuff. Yes. Maybe not as bad as last week, but they all go through stuff during the season. Folks, I highly advise you, and I'm even saying to myself, 
read. We don't read enough, right? There are great writers out there who put together stories that are really enlightening and fascinating and funny and depressing. So I'll stand up for your uh, your folks, the writers. There's a couple stories out about what the LSU football team has been going through oh. around Ed Orgeron. Like, when I saw the, the news yesterday, I'm like, what? They dumped Ed O. And I, I'm not a, a big Orgeron fan. I, I didn't think it was a good hire in the first place. I never backed down from that. It was a more of a, hey, wait and see. Even though he won a national championship, it was a wait and see. But I'm blown away by the fact, or I was, by the fact that they're like, all right, separation agreement. And this was before they beat Ellis or check that Florida over the weekend. He's going to get his full buyout. He makes $8 million a year. He's going to get 17, I think it's $16.9 million, $16.9 million to walk away. But if you read what's been going on since and just before he won the national championship, you want to talk about a coach getting high on the hog? This guy was out of control. Now, give him credit. He's the one who plucked Joe Brady, right? That was a big part of the national championship team. He's the one who got Joe Burrow, a generational college quarterback, to come there. But, man, once he won the championship, the there's a lot of people who were like, this thing became way too big for him. He's really not a head coach. Between the womanizing, the attempted womanizing, there's a great story in The Athletic where I guess he was hitting on some woman about, hey, uh, would, you, would you like to work out sometime? And she's like, one, I'm pregnant. Two, I have a boyfriend. And he's like, what does that matter? It's like, all right, you go, dog. You, t- you go, you go, Edo. But apparently, like the, because he got divorced right after the championship, so that became a big part of his life. Then, you know, to keep the championship feel going, like Saban has to replace his coaches almost every year, his DC and his OC. Well, then Orgeron starts bringing in guys. He brings in Bo Pelini, who is like a well-known, low, low, low character guy. So it got to a point where they weren't even talking. Um, he had another. Uh, offensive coordinator he brought in. I'm trying to think. He had another advisor, like three highly paid guys. Those guys lasted one year. LSU had to pay $7 million to get out from under those guys. So, like, people were pissed off about that. Then there was the stuff this year. Orgeron last week got really at a caller on his coach's show because the caller was like, yeah, my sister's at the show right now. And they let it breathe for a second. And then the caller goes, uh, try not to blank her. Because there was also a picture that came out last summer. Uh, and it was well-known down in the area of him, like, in bed with some lady. Which, again, yeah, it's like, you can do this stuff, but you're embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing the program. Um, and, by the way, in response to that. Obviously, ra- you can't do that. That radio, well, because it was it was an accumulation. Then you go 9-8 and eight since the championship. Yeah. That hurts. Um, but to the radio show caller, he basically said, you know, guys like that, you know, in the bayou, we got a hole for them. So then, of course, people jump with it. They already don't like Orgeron. They're like, oh, death threat. Okay, it wasn't a death threat. He's being kind of playful. Um, but it was all this stuff building. And then the, apparently there was, like, almost no communication with the staff. Uh, and worst of all, multiple times during the season, um, the kind of the word around the program, and then it, by multiple times I mean it went to the media and some yeah. high-profile guys talked about it. But the players just were not playing hard. And I should also throw in, make sure you read about how Ed O handled all of the Black Lives Matter stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Police brutality, all that, and what his players did in response. Because a lot of people feel like the way he handled it publicly, he lost the team. So, I mean, there's like a whole laundry list, but at the top of the list is 
football coach and success and what that can bring you. Like, there's a lot of riches, man. You can get out of control. And he got out of control. I need those links. Because you told me about when I got yeah. here. SI, I think it was Ross Dellinger wrote the story. And then The Athletic, uh, that story is the one that had the whole, you know, he's hitting on a pregnant lady and he's like, eh, who cares? Who cares about the boyfriend and being pregnant? Jesus. I can't do an Ed Orgeron impression, but uh, pretty incredible. And the, so, and, the, and the other thing that, like, the other thing that's kind of gross is this is multiple situations now in the SEC where football is king, right? And it, it ended here. But in the end, it's they're not winning. Where they're like, you know, 15 million, 17 million, 20 million, generational money. And they're like, Gus Mal's on, here you go. Yeah. Ed, here you go. Like, holy cow. That's pretty obscene. Football really means a lot. Maybe too much. And, 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 and what were they barely scraping together at UNLV? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the whole story of the haves and have nots, really. I mean, I, and in a way, it's, like I said, it's pretty gross that. It's, it's that important that, uh, one, you're willing to give a coach an $18 million buyout. I've never understood that. You know, you can get another coach. Stop with the buyouts that are freaking $18 million, $15 million. Come on. It's a football coach. With everything that came out in these stories, which I can't wait to read now, now uh, you just asked me if I thought Gruden would get back. It, does, another, does, a, does, a, does another school bring this? He's, um, I, don't, I don't think he ends up in the NFL. Uh, you're talking Gruden or Orgeron? Orgeron. Um, I saw the immediate thought that he could go on the Nick Saban rehab tour where Saban brings you on. Um, I, I, well, I don't know, man. The, the, stuff, the stuff in these stories, like that goes beyond, hey, he just ran into some bad luck and he got kind of screwed by LSU. He did himself in. I mean, he's got a I, – I, I think he could be on a staff, and I think he's a guy – this is crazy to say. He can be on a Power 5 staff and be a dude who's worth, you know, $700,000 – as like your hype man and recruiter, but he's he's got to clean some of that other stuff up. I mean, he was there. There were stories about he's got girlfriends, uh, he's bringing them to practice, letting their kids go through drills. Like, okay. what is going on here? It's a national championship winning program. You, you, you can't bring your you know extended sort of family to practice and be jerking around. Does he go the Patino route and find the Iona of college football? That's possible, right? There could be a group of five school that's so desperate they're like, hey, we can get this guy for you know a million dollars now. But think about it. I, I don't. I'm. I haven't heard anything about. Patino's also like 80 years old, and he was so shamed that I don't think he'd be going crazy at Iona. Do you? Do you think Edo, if he got a job in a couple of years at a group of five, would be rehabilitated at all, or would he just be a freaking animal in his new small town? I don't know. Send him to Cedar City. We'll get, get him in Cedar Southern, City, Southern Utah. <laughs> Dixie, here comes Ed Orgeron. <laughs> We're gonna. Oh, uh, you know, I can't tell you that. <laughs> Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. Willie, I forgot to ask you, did you, uh, well, one, did you rip your bookmaker's throat out? Did you play? Did you play a bunch this weekend or not? Did you bet I, anything? I didn't bet anything. Did I, you? I, it was light. What about your picks? Picks were 50-50, big picks. I mean, I, I, uh, here's the thing. <laughs> you, some of the writing that I do for some of these sites, there was a, there was a, there was another guy who, who loved the Brown, loved Ripped the, wanted to rip the bookmaker's throat out, and I wanted to write up the Cardinals, and I backed off specifically 
to make way for him, and that, that turned out to be a big mistake, which is a no-no in this yeah. business. Is I, I don't like, let anybody get in your head. I like the Browns. I didn't play them, luckily, because that was not even competitive. Although, well, I'll tell you what I bet in, okay. a, in a couple minutes. Because right. I, I did get on the Browns in game, which also was not a good bet. <laughs> I'll tell you, my, my big play on Saturday, my best play was Baylor. I thought I, I, I'm convinced BYU is fraudulent after a couple of weeks ago when yeah. they lost at Boise State. BYU is a four or five loss team. Yeah. Um, you know, they lost to Boise, and I was reading people saying, oh, they're going to have a one-loss season. And you're not. Not with that schedule. Uh, Good team, not great team. Uh, like UNLV. I like, I like Nevada. Nevada. Nevada got done against Hawaii. Um, and I took some lumps. Uh, yeah. I had some losses. Um, I like Arizona State. They did Fourth quarter, terrible. Terrible. Um, yeah, college, I I jumped on Missouri plus 10 against Texas A&M. They got killed 35-14. But I also, they got down so quickly that I bet them in game. I was like, I'm getting this. Chased it. They were like plus 28 and a half. So I basically split that one. Uh, other college, I had Northwestern plus two against Rutgers. That was a disaster. Positive bet, but disaster for Rutgers. Uh, and I'll go back to Thursday. I had San Jose plus to 10 against San Diego State. So I did okay in college. And then. The NFL, I played mostly in-game. Uh, I gave up my bet of the, the day on the Westgate show, and it was the Ravens, minus the three. I freaking roll. Did I bet it? Of course not. Um, but for NFL betting, I did mostly in-game in second half. Yeah. Uh, Green Bay in-game, plus two and a half. Believe it or not, they were getting plus two and a half at one point. So that was a win. Texans in-game, plus 16 and a half. Not even close. Uh, Chargers second half, disaster. Giants second half, believe it or not, they were getting three and a half. I barely covered, even though they lost 38-11. That's crazy. They did, they did not fight very much. Uh, Browns in game, plus 10.5. Nopers. And I did bet Dallas down the stretch yeah. with a money line price. Oof. And I got it, but talk about being lucky. Come on. Yeah, no, that was like Diggs, it, it, Diggs pick six. Then I, I, I'll tell you what, I give credit to, I don't know if it was a Belichick call or Josh McDaniels, but I gave credit after you get a pick six coming back the other way, you're like, let's go right back at the same guy. And they went at him, and Diggs got destroyed. Yes. I, that was actually my best bet in the NFL was the Cowboys. Uh, so how about the books on the Cowboys? I can't take all credit the, all and say you, I knew it. All you got to do sweating. is get an overtime field goal, and the yeah. books are okay. Not only do they – Dallas covers and gets the over yeah. with the OT touchdown. Um, pushed on the Seahawks-Steelers under. Lost the football team. Thought for some reason they would show. Just because I think I was more soured on Kansas City. Um Brown, uh, not the Browns. Uh, I, I told you what happened with the with the Cardinals. I, I should have just stuck to my guns on that one. Um, so overall, overall, for you know, just in terms of picks, and, and it was probably a 50-50. The best bets hit Baylor and the Cowboys, but overall, just a general. Uh, probably, you know, if if I was betting, I probably would have made a little bit on the Vig, just because of the, I would have had more on those other two. But for the most part, split out, lost juice on the other games. Favorites in the morning here, 7-0 and in the NFL. Wow. That is a recipe for, as uh, the Caesars VP said, it's a bloodbath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because at this uh, point in time of the season, they're pile-driving those yep. favorites. Packers cover, Chiefs cover, Rams cover. Ugliness plus the Cowboys, plus there were a couple of public dogs. Believe it or not, people were betting the Jaguars. People were betting Zona, public dog. I mean, they're unbeaten. And... Uh, yeah, the Sharps were on Denver. Public was on the Raiders, so they got beat up by underdogs as well. And, and that kind of shocks me. Just, I mean, 
just, you know, the, the, how many people were, were really just pile drive. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not surprised that people were going to back Denver. But to, to back them solely on that reason, when I said this, too, is that they already played one game after the first, when you sort of got the sense that if he lost the locker room or if, you know, if, if it bothered them. And, yes, more things came out on the Monday after they lost to the Bears, but they sort of laid the egg on Sunday against the Bears, and it was their second straight clunker, man. So, if anything, once they got Gruden away from from the locker room and, and, and blocked out, as they said, that outside noise, I just felt as that was their game to have. So. What are you doing tonight? It's now down to six. It was six and a half all day as the Titans are at home. They're a dog against Buffalo. I do. I, I, I'm, I'm buying into the letdown um, philosophy here. Buffalo comes off the big win against Kansas City. They don't necessarily play well after the big win. Tennessee, I think Tennessee just gives them a heavy dose of Derrick Henry, runs the ball lock, tries to control the clock, keeps it out of Buffalo's hands as best as possible. I think that they're going to, you know, tighten the reins and, and sort of zero in on, on Buffalo's wideouts and, and – you know, and, and stop them from moving the chains. And, and I think that they'll play them tight enough to where they can keep it close and at least stay within the six. Um, I like I like Tennessee in the under. It's a little contrarian because it, it's it's hard to say, but 53-and-a-half is a lot of points when you got a guy like Derrick Henry and you have to play keep away. And when you look at what Buffalo's defense has done this season, they rank number one in the league in a lot of major defensive categories. I think that Tennessee has no choice but to play keep away. So... I'm going Titans and under. Raiders short in week seven at minus three against the Eagles coming here. And will it stay at three? No, I think that that number is going to go up because I because I think there's a question mark right now as to whether is it going to be Jalen Hurts? You know, um, are we going to see Joe Flacco? And just just for the fact that if they make the switch, um, does it now now you're having to change a little bit of your game plan and how you run that offense your playbook stays the same in terms of you know what you have out there but how you run it is a little bit different um if you stick with hurts then i mean we just talked about the edge rushing and we talked about las vegas's defense so i i think that that's a number that could get pushed i think if you're gonna go bet that game you better go bet it and you better buy the half point too Get the go 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 bet the Raiders buy the half point down to two and a half and when that number gets driven up if you want to buy it back or throw a teaser maybe tease the the Eagles up to nine and a half or ten and now you're sitting on the Raiders minus two and a half and the Eagles plus whatever because here's the thing just some inside information for everybody out there I have to cover the Raiders at one and be at T-Mobile to cover the Golden Knights so if anything's going to happen disastrous it's going to be a close game that comes down to the end goes to overtime field goal decision and force me to scramble for two games in one night the world revolves around Willie <laughs> traffic don't even worry about you you can run me you're in good shape you can run from uh, from the Al over to T-Mobile me and Adam Hill yep. and I don't know Weston. if Adam can I said you can <laughs> That's not fair. He's not on the show today. Um, if I want to get crazy this week yeah. and go with a teaser where I'm teasing up a dog, okay. you want to laugh? Six-point teaser. All Lions right. plus 21.5 against the Rams. Bears plus 19.5 against the Buccaneers. Let's do it. Lions against their former quarterback? Is that where you're going with that? Sure. Yeah, revenge spot. Why did you leave it? Well, you traded me, <laughs> so it's not a revenge spot. Or I could throw in the Texans plus 23 against the Cardinals. There are three games sitting right now at 13 and a half or higher. 
it would not shock me on that last one you said, only because Arizona may not want to uh, risk injury. You know, they get up, and then they sort of just lay off, play a little bit of a delay, and eh, Willie Ramirez is here. Willie Ramirez is here for Monday Night Football. Get down here. here. Here's Twin Peaks on Eastern. They got cool appetizer specials, 2 bucks, 4 bucks, $6. Got the big domestic drafts, 22-ouncer. Is just three seventy-five. A great menu. Dozens of the uh, most attractive servers. Let's not be. I got gift cards. Get down here. Let's not objectify, please. It's Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football.